Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let her rip, Lauren. Um, guys, this is not, not a wild till nine blanket. Oh. For the video people. Oh, fucking shit. Yeah, I've got to. <sighs> Audio people, we invented the blanket. Roll the intro. <laughs> Let's go home. Hey guys, welcome back to Well Till Nine, our weekly pod hosted by myself. Hosted by Jeremy Lewis and his girlfriend. Girlfriend. And girlfriend, girlfriend present, girlfriend here. Um, like I was saying, for our audio listeners and, and also the video listeners, um, this is not not a Wild Till Nine blanket that we are currently product testing that is sitting on my lap and it's pretty soft. Did you get a little money from grandma over Christmas? <laughs> you maybe um feeling the, the winter coolies? Well, do we have a product for you? The winter coolies. Yeah, the winter coolies. <laughs> the winter, ch- the the winter, winter chillers. Coolies. The winter chillers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I am a, I'm queen of all blankets, and so it felt appropriate to make a wild till nine blanket. We're still, we're still, um, product testing. Moose has to give it a full snuggle of approval. So, what product. What are we gonna do to it? I don't know. I just gotta feel if it's right. Cuddle I don't know if it's it, right. Sleep yes, on it. Yes. Fuck yes. On it. Yes. All the things. All the things. Got it. So we're we're we need to um we need to do a little tester first. So far so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You um knocked on the bathroom while I was going numero dos and said Jeremy was shitting open, and open the door. Oh, I have something to show you. It's so important. We have to see it right now, have to see it right now. And I was just like, What 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 could possibly be so important? And you were like, I have the blanket. And I'm like, Go I away. Don't understand why you wouldn't open the door so I could show you the blanket. That is that is there is literally nothing of higher priority, and I'm still 
not clear on why that happened. We do actually have something to talk about today, I assure you. <laughs> um, welcome back. Um, happy almost new year for oh those God, who yeah. listen to this on time. And for those who are listening to it in 2021, better late than never, but also like. Eh. This is my favorite week of the entire year. Care to elaborate? Yes. The week between Christmas and New Year's. And obviously this year is a little bit different because. Why? um What? Why? Um, because we're in a worldwide fucking pandemic and we can't get our shit together. Okay, got it. Um, but this is the week of no emails. This is the week of no one working, and you get to be an absolute degenerate with no guilt. Because there are days when I'm for sure a degenerate and I just ignore everything, but there's still a level of guilt there because I know people need things from me, and this is the one week of the year where everyone shuts the fuck up and you can sit on the couch for seven straight days. And do nothing. Unless you're in the service industry. But yeah, that's great. Oh my God. Literally the amount of Christmas Eves that I worked in a grocery store. I, right. I feel, I feel, I feel for everyone in, yeah, in the service industry for sure. hundred percent. Right. right. But for everyone who's not in the service industry and we don't mean to exclude you. Um, happy degenerating. De- de- happy, gener- happy degenerate week. Degenerate week. <laughs> so um, it, it feels weird that I got to uh, uh, walk everyone through my background in a way that I feel like no one kind of knew my story right. a couple of weeks ago. And then mm-hmm. I was, I, I got to walk everybody through it step by step. I, I feel like when we were kind of ramping up to this week, we we're like, we, we should, we should talk about your backstory and everything. And I feel like the, you were like, yeah, for sure. Cool. And then it like hit you yesterday that you actually have to, <laughs> to put all of this into a timeline uh-huh. and be able to retell the story. And even as you were recapping like your general thoughts to me about an hour ago, I'm still uh, as excited as I am confused by your upbringing, and I feel like I've heard all these things in different parts. Yeah. But I'm most excited for you to hop into the things that I feel like people don't know about the story. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I've, I'm have i in an interesting position because I've put so much of my life on the internet that people um, are under the impression that they, you know, have, um, and which they do, they do have a very large picture of what my life looks like and like who I am as a person. But there have been just like so many, it's just impossible to tell your entire story over the internet. So there's like 70% of my life on the internet. And then that 30%, people are like, when the fuck did you do that? Or that that was happening? That was happening while this was happening? And I knew about half of this, but didn't know about the other half? Well, I think it's to a degree, like we now know that Craft Girl fucks. We now know that Craft Girl, yeah, Craft Girl fucks is is um, in the open and there are many more stories. And Well, that, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there. <laughs> I apparently craft girl fucked before she met me. Shocker. That's crazy. I was, I was a virgin until the day I met born again virgin, right? I was a born again virgin. Yes, 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 yes. But I guess the fascinating part for some people, I think who at least are, are in who comments to me, I'm like, I've been watching you since I was 15 or 14 or 13 or whatever. And like, I love this new year or whatever. To a degree, I think it'll be interesting for them to hear how much more they had in common maybe with you all along than they even yes. thought they did. Oh my God, that's such, that, yeah, that's such an interesting perspective. I know, and I wish I wish that I had been, I wish I'd been more transparent earlier because of how many more people I could have connected with or like, not even to like help someone through something, but there's nothing more comforting than seeing or like feeling like an entire stranger that you don't even know is going through the exact same thing as you. Well, I think in the beginning, when you're doing literally anything, you want to put your best foot forward, obviously. For sure. There are very few people who are like, eh, fuck it, whatever uh, whatever comes out. Right. So I think like in the quest to put your best foot forward, you take all your insecurities and you put those into a box and say, well, definitely don't show those. 
even though the box of insecurities are probably what's most similar between you and somebody you don't know, even though you're afraid or scared to admit it. For sure. And I also think that like the content that was on YouTube five years ago was not about that. Like I feel like content creators have really embraced the spirit of authenticity and just like being your natural ass self. You know what I mean? Like obviously clickbait is still a thing, but like really? the picture perfect clickbait world. Really? Cause butt plug Thursday just sank. Did we talk about butt plug Thursday? Yeah. Not clickbait. Right. Not oh, clickbait. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Clickbait would be like- Every week we say we're breaking up. Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. You're alluding to something that didn't actually happen, but piques the interest of the viewer to make them click, but then they it ends in disappointment because it didn't actually happen. And they keep doing it for some reason. And they keep doing it. Yeah. They, and, and we'll get into why that works later on and like in the, the whole cycle of that. It's, it's, it's intense. Um, so if you were to start, or if you were to pick a starting place uh, per se- um, where would you like to begin this story? Let's see. And, and just to recap, I started when I was hammered driving a, a one-ton vehicle down the road. That's uh -huh. where I started my story. Right, right, Where did you right, want to right, start right, yours? Right, Um, I, I actually would like to start with a disclaimer that I am painfully bad at recapping anything, whether it is a 10-page um, picture book or a two-hour movie. I, for the life of me, cannot pick out the main points. Well, so I'm going to tell you all of it and I'm going to blab and then you'll probably pick out the most important notable pieces and we'll chat about those. But I'm going I'm to just, I don't, I don't know. There's nothing quite like someone sitting down and trying to decide what they want to do with their time. And they look at this and they say, oh, it's an hour. This person says they're a terrible storyteller. <laughs> Let's make sure that we have nothing else to do. Clear the calendars, mom. I don't want to do anything. Yeah, no, that, that means the story's going to be really good when there is a story to tell, but the, the, the teller is... Go ahead and start. Um, I mean... Set, set the scene for uh, us. See, this is like, I'm just a bad storyteller. Um, let's go to high school. I feel like high school is like, not that I wasn't like a doing a human, being a human and like doing things and like middle school and stuff. Like, I mean, I've always been a very well-rounded um, student. Right. My parents are still together. I'm an only child. I lived in the same house from the day I was born until I moved out when I was in grade 12. Like all of that is so like white picket fence. We were just missing the dog. We did have fish, but we didn't have a dog. So like all of that was very, um, very wholesome loving and supportive. So it's like, I guess that's a little bit of background for like what leads up to um, things that started happening just because like life ends up happening. You know what I mean? Like my parents sheltered and protected me for as long as they could. And then when life started happening, you know, you have ups and downs and reality starts kicking in and shit. And my mom is no longer there to fend off all of the, uh, the, the things and cut up my fruit in the morning and sometimes bring home a lemon loaf from Starbucks in the morning. Lemon loaf from Starbucks. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, <laughs> although painfully safe and boring, um, yeah. can we can we pick up where things start getting interesting then? <laughs> um. Yeah. So I think I think great. Let's go back to that thing where you were really good in high school yeah. about uh, just kind of everything. Well, no. So here's here's I was I very much would describe myself as a master of none. Okay. I was a little bit above average at everything. So like I did well in sciences. I did well in math. Like I would say that, and this is probably different for Americans, but like I was able- no, We have science and math too. No, no, no. But like my math classes, we've talked about this before. Like I did well in data. I did well in functions, right. did well in trig, but like I didn't take calculus. 
because that was like the most advanced one. So like I could excel at all the other ones, but like calculus, I was like, mm, fuck, it's a little too hard for me. Same with like science. Like I did well in biology, except for when anything had to be sliced open. I had to leave the room and I just, I just took a hit on whatever grade it was, just could not do it. But I did well in chemistry. You know what I mean? Like I, I excelled enough at everything that I would graduate, you know, in the top 10 percentile of my class, but there was nothing that was a clear and direct path for me. Like, I feel like when someone's really good at science, they're like, amazing, I'm gonna go be a pharmacist, a doctor, a nurse. And I never had any clear direction, I feel like. Art was something that I always enjoyed the most. You know, that was my creative outlet. I loved my art teacher, especially um, in high school. And it was something that I was really good at, but I was by no means the best in my class. And like later on, I would definitely come to say that I I would call myself a creative problem solver and less of um, like a fine artist. Like, can I draw better than most people? Like, yes. Can I, do I have an insane knowledge of like craft supplies, like more than the average person? Yes. Your but vocabulary like, does really pick up where mine drops off in that department. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. But like when it comes to deciding a major based on what I'm excelling at in school, I had no fucking idea what to do because there was nothing that stuck out. There was nothing that I like, even when you're good at art, you're like, OK, well, like I'm I'm realistically not good enough to go major in fine arts, you know, to become an art professor or like some gallery curator like that was not going to be a viable option for me. I wasn't smart enough for math and science to go in like the health science direction. And I I felt a lot of pressure and stress in grade 11 and 12 to figure it out. I feel like the, your guidance counselors and like your careers class, they put so much pressure on you at such a young fucking age. Like you're 17, 16, 17, 18 in those grades. And it's like, you you have to potentially choose a direction for the remaining percentage of your life. Like obviously that's not the actual reality of it. Like you can switch majors. Um, you can totally redirect like your career path. But like when you're 17, that is the biggest decision in your current life. Well, and to a degree, it's the first decision that you make that is so... Um, yours. Well, it's yours, but also, I mean, do you want to do sports? Yes or no. Okay, got it. Do you want to do this club? Yes or no. But like, it's the first thing where it's a it's a decision that you can kind of understand is going to stick with you for a long, long, long time. Right. And most importantly, when you pick one thing, you almost are picking not to do other things. Right, and right. It's for the first time when it's like, well, well, that season ends in fall and then you can do it in the spring. And it's like, no, no, no. If you're going to be a lawyer, you probably can't be a biologist. Like you kind of have to pick one. Right, exactly. Right. You're right. It, it excludes other options in choosing something like it you pick one and that one is the only one. And particularly in America, and I'm sure it is in other parts of the world as well, with how competitive everything is and the finite amount of seats and availability there are at all these colleges. Right. If you're not the best at it, you almost feel like you don't belong off the bat, which I think is like really shitty because someone might not have had access to trying whatever that thing is until they get there, even though they would excel at it. But it's like, if you didn't decide early enough and decide to get in your lane at 15, there's going to be a half dozen prodigies who are going to get all the best seats and scholarships. And then you're just going to be kind of stuck in this, like, well, I'm kind of just undecided. Right. Right. And just undecided. And so being undecided, I was like, okay, well let's, let's apply by city then. You know what I mean? So I took a look at like the schools that I thought that I might enjoy. And so I applied at two media programs, um, in a city that was about two, two and a half hours away. And that was like more fratty and like a little more party school. And then I applied in Toronto. 
And um, I think I only applied, I literally only applied at one school. Oh, also there is like a fine art school in Toronto called OCAD. And it's like the most prestigious art school, you know, in the area. And I remember I was like, okay, well like, let's go explore this option. And I went to one of their like, open portfolio days where you bring your art and right. they like tell you if you're on the right track. Right. I just got absolutely destroyed. Just like absolutely destroyed that day. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Let's check that one off the list. Did you bring your portfolio? <laughs> yes, I brought my portfolio. Your portfolio wasn't good enough? No. So what's the name of this school? OCAD. So OCAD could have had Lord DIY and or OCAD said no. OCAD said no. So that's not, a, said no. not a down against OCAD, <laughs> but anyone who didn't get into OCAD, it's okay. Yeah, totally. And I don't know, I don't know who, who needs to hear that. But like- It's going to be just fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of, honestly, because it, it is like the school that you're like, oh my God, this is like the fun, cool art school. Because all they do is artistic programs. That's all they do. It's like Juilliard of Canada? For- RISD? Art. Got it. Yeah, no music. Anyways, so I, I was in this mess of trying to make, you know, what feels like the biggest decision of your 17-year-old life. And I, um, I had a, an earlier boyfriend in, um, we're, we're pivoting over to boyfriends and relationships now for a second. Oh, we're going to pivot to boyfriends? Yeah, we're going to pivot. Yeah. Got it. You know what? I, um. Going from arts and crafts to, to arts and dick. Got yes. It. Arts and dick. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I feel like, um, dick, career, and, um, mental health are all common themes of my life. Can I get that one? That was dick, dick career, career mental and, health. and mental health. In, in that order? You know, priorities, priorita- pri- priorities, um, you know, shuffled and mm-hmm. changed um, throughout the years. Got it, okay. Uh, but yeah, those are the, I feel like those are the three common themes of things that are all very interesting. I think there's a lot of people on this, in this audience that can probably really relate with that. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had been in like a, an earlier, like a more, you know, high, very first relationship. Um, it was like grade 10 situation and that ended. Um and I started dating my first very serious boyfriend um, in grade 12 at the very end. And um, this is where like shit started getting like more real for me. And it was the most serious thing that had ever happened. And okay. I, you, you introduce a guy or a relationship in general and yeah. things just begin to become com- complicated. 100%. Isn't if that, that ain't the fucking theme to weird? everyone's life, boys make shit complicated. Okay. All right. I said relationship. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I won't, I won't place but, it all. In. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No female has ever made <laughs> any situation complicated. Is that your argument? Um, I, I redact that statement. All right. Um, so I, uh, was in a new relationship and this is when things like started getting fucking real. And I almost feel like because my parents did such an incredible job of shielding me from anything that was like harsh or negative, when something actually did happen, my body was just like, what the actual fuck? No one feels sorry for you, but yes. No, I know, but it's because my parents did such an incredible job of like protecting me from everything bad that like when something bad did happen, I didn't know what to do. Right. And, And I mean, to my credit, like what ended up happening was that my boyfriend, we had been dating for about five months, he um had his so he didn't have epilepsy but he had his very first seizure and it was a situation where we were by ourselves so like there was no adults in the room in the home etc and i feel like everyone who's ever called 911 remembers their first time calling 911 for like a serious situation and it's one of those moments that like feels like you're in a movie and you're like oh my fucking god like my life this person's life that i am now responsible for is in the hands of calling 911 and waiting for help to arrive. Right. So he had this um, initial seizure, the first seizure he'd ever had. And um, 
being someone, even if you weren't sheltered, most people don't know what the fuck to do when a person has a seizure. I would have no idea. Right. Don't yeah, let that's them like, bite their tongue. That's, that's all like I know. Not, that's, not even a, that's not even really a thing. Like that's, right. yeah. And um, so this seizure ended Is up- Is that really not a thing? Bite their tongue? Yeah. Um, well, like, uh, it's not really a common thing that I'm, I mean, I don't want to make a blanket statement and say that it's not a thing for everyone who has epilepsy. Um, but usually it's getting them on their side and protecting their head from hitting any kind of sharp corner. Um, but it's not like, you don't really chatter your teeth at all when you're having a seizure for the most part. So there's, there's, you don't want to swallow your tongue, but it's not really like a bite a tongue situation. Got Okay. And I'm sure there are people who have bit their tongue off in right. mid seizure. So I don't want to. I don't want to make a. And I assure you, all six of them have now found that have, clip. Have now found that clip, and are like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So this seizure led to him being in um an induced coma for four days. Mm. So I went from you know uh, everything you know if I've fallen off my bike, my parents would absolutely coddle me. So like I went from that to being the main main person in you know his life not responsible for what happens or like the decisions being made and we've mentioned this before but like he had a very complicated and difficult family life and so like I was the only one at the hospital for the first I don't know 24 hours you know and I didn't know what to do or how to feel which I you know is probably a common reaction for a lot of people when you experience a trauma like that so he ended up having like a crazy miraculous recovery. And I mean, while he was in a coma, it was, um, you know, questions of like, will he walk again? Will he ever speak again? Will he wake up and remember anyone in his life? And so being 17 at the time, like you don't know how to process this information. Like you, your brain is just like literally not built um, to handle that and know what to do with it. And I didn't do a great job of seeking help afterwards. I absolutely should have been in therapy. And I've spoken to this before, but this is kind of where my mental health journey starts. And um, it was the feeling of being at a total and utter loss of control. That was the first time that I'd ever experienced that. You know, my parents had done such a good job of making things easy for me. And this was in a big way, the very first time that I had no control over what was happening and my body did not do well with that. So he was in the hospital for about a week and this was the end of 12th grade. I ended up um, actually not having to do my final exams because my grades were high enough that they were just like, you know what, it's fine, like handle this. Um, You're obviously going through a lot right now and we'll we'll just end your semester with the grades that you currently have. And so in Canada, did you like, when did you know in this timeline that you were going to Ryerson? I think, I think I already knew that I was going to Ryerson. I'm pretty sure. Cause I remember, I remember distinctly that like when anyone would get into a college or university, they'd post on Facebook their announcement. Cause like Facebook right. was like hot shit back then. Right. And then, you know, everyone would be like, oh my God, congrats, congrats. So I feel like I was still in high school. I feel like I was still in school when I got my acceptance letters. I got early acceptance. Well, I would, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, right? I think I think I knew by then. It wouldn't be the summer before. Yeah, it wouldn't be the summer. No. Yeah, okay. So yeah, so I definitely knew and had my plans for university to go to Toronto, Ryerson, right. um, which is about an hour away from where I went to high school. So in terms of that timeline, you knew you were going to Ryerson. Yes. Shit obviously hit the fan in mm-hmm. a way that you weren't uh, prepared for, but at the same time, to be fair, no one would have been prepared for that. Um, was there reservations at the time about leaving in general? No, 
I was like pretty set on. I mean, I in for all of high school, I, I didn't apply to the the university that was in my city. There was not a world where I was going to stay in my hometown for university. So in and you know it's only an hour away. Like Toronto is one of those cities that there is so much public transportation to and from. Um, so I kind of knew that I was getting myself into a long-ish distance what what feels like a long distance relationship when you live in a small town obviously an hour and a half now is like literally here to the beach in LA and bad traffic like it's it's so relative um so I I went to Ryerson and I chose this program I feel like I got a little bamboozled I know that they've reworked the curriculum and hopefully I did not have a hand in that because I've talked shit about it so many times now but they really advertised the program um as like a creative business program right and I was like you know what for someone who's like not exceptional at anything but like decently smart and decently artistic like this sounds like the perfect fit for me I'm oddly slightly above average yeah I'm oddly exceptionally slightly slightly average uh, average yeah (laughs) exactly exactly and so I was like you know what this 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 Ryerson good enough (laughs) That's exactly, that's exactly how I felt. I was like, close enough and good enough. Okay, yeah. Yeah, close enough and good enough. Because like, you know, I'm close enough to my family. I had genuinely lived in the same house for 18 years of my right. life. Like this was, this was a massive transition for me. And um, so got there, hated the fucking program, hated it with every with, okay, so fiber of my being. You get there in August, right? Like yes. how long before you realize that you Oh, fucking day 1. Day it. 1. Honestly, there was so so essentially what this program was was called graphic communications management. Here is an anti-commercial for GCM and I feel so bad, but I think they've reworked the program. <laughs> I think they have. I'm not positive. So here's an anti-commercial for GCM in 2011. We'll I know, fuck. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm 95% sure they have. And honestly, one of my one of my friends from the program is now a professor in that program and and he's really cool so i'm sure that like they've they've made it better well as long as it's really cool it's really cool yeah it's really cool because it wasn't fucking cool when i was there um it was a printing program like a literal like printing press program which is important sure sure i mean every time i every time i told someone they were like uh isn't isn't print dead isn't like printing literally dying and and i think people don't uh, don't think about like how much packaging is involved in everyday consumption and like large format printing, which is like billboards or anything literally bigger than like what can be printed on like an at-home printer. Right. Like it, it, it is an industry. It definitely is. It exists. It, yeah. it, it exists. Like, and Gutenberg would be a little disappointed. Gutenberg and Heid- the- Heidel fucking Heidelberg. What was the name? I think it was Heidelberg. I don't know. I had a building named after him. I'm okay. doing, yeah. This is how much I retained. This Got is it. a prime example of how much I retained. And so still with, boyfriend from grade 12 okay, and moving to new city, first time leaving home. And again, maybe, maybe my parents being such good parents did me a disservice to like prep me for the real world. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say that I, I, I feel lucky in that I went through life, uh, when I noticed a lot of other people were kind of like having their first like breakdown and meltdown, like how right. to deal with this. I was right. like, come here, I'll show you <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I did not have that. Well, like, I, yeah, I did when, not. You know, when you, you've gotten arrested, you've been suspended, you've yeah. had to, you know, call an audible several times. It's like, oh, come here, little one. I'll show call you. Call a what? Call an audible. What does that mean? When you go to the line of scrimmage in football and you call a different play at the last second. because of What the, the fuck? With a, a scrimmage? What are you, literally, what are you saying? The line You're of scrimmage in football. Oh, oh, this is football. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea. Call an audible and scrimmage are things that I hey, don't know what you're talking about. All 32 of us. <laughs> 
We get it. <laughs> you know, you know what? I feel like there are lots of wives out there who have husbands who are big Sunday football fans. How do you not? Audible? I have no idea what you're saying. I was like, are we doing a brand deal for Audible right now? That's literally where my, my brain my, went. My Amazon? Yeah. I, mean, I literally just got an email from Amazon right now about Audible. Ooh, really? Buy it for Audible? I mean, yeah. Oh, that's weird. Oh, God, your FBI agent. He's like, hey, hey, just uh, just heard your conversation. Whoa. <laughs> Go on. Love that. Uh, Sorry. So still with high school boyfriend, um, moved to new city, and I got so lucky in that the girls that were on my floor were so nice. Like, we had so much fun. The student life that I experienced was was top-notch. Like, it was so much fun. And it was, like, a very, like, healthy environment, and everyone was really, really kind and sweet. Um, and were your dorms, like, the, the each floor was guy, girl, guy, girl, or was it, like... No, it was co-ed. But, like, room to room, or... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh... Yeah, I think it was room to room. So I was like in an apartment style. So it was mm. uh, four single bedrooms with a right. shared uh, kitchen, shared bathroom, shared living room. And so we were kind of like the party room of our floor. I felt so bad. One of the girls that was in our um, apartment was just absolutely not fucking about us. Like the three of us were friends and the one girl, she just, she was so neat and tidy and quiet and she fucking hated us. I mean, to be fair, there's a time and a place for neat, tidy, and quiet, and it's not your freshman year of college. It's not your freshman year of college, yeah. and don't fucking sign up for an apartment-style uh, dorm. Well, not everyone can afford their own dorm, Lauren. No, this one was more expensive, because this was, like, the, the like, funnest one. Well, maybe her parents were like, oh, come on. Get an experience. Patricia really yeah. needs to make some friends. <laughs> Get an experience. Yeah. 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 So, I, um, I, I think coming off of the seizure, Tacoma, trauma, and then moving to a new city, being long distance with my boyfriend, knowing zero people and being far from my sheltered family, I had my first mental breakdown. Like my Got first it. real mental breakdown, my very first anxiety attack, like full blown. And when you've never had an anxiety attack, when you do have one, like you think you're on your deathbed. Like there, right. there is just, you just feel like the best way to describe it is feeling betrayed by your body. Okay. Because it feels like your body turns on you. You're like, I am so out of control of what the fuck is happening. And uh, like, why would you do that to me? Little did you know that's just called aging and that's going to happen every day now. But yeah. No, that is called mental health disorders. Okay. <laughs> so I was in this um, massive hall taking an exam and the business program was the biggest one. And so all of our business classes were joined with the business program. So like accounting, data management, like all that stuff. And it was like, I was in a sea of people of probably 1500 students. And in an exam that I had absolutely studied for, was like totally, totally good for. And my body just said, no, get the fuck out. And I started losing my vision. Like you start getting the black spotties on the outside and it starts closing in. You have tunnel vision. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I couldn't swallow. Like I was choking on my own throat. And um, I'm sweating profusely for absolutely no reason. And you just well, can't focus. That's nothing new. That, that's nothing new. It really yeah. is not. But it is. It was the first time that I had experienced like literal fight or flight. Right. And me being like a, a again, you know, average student was like, oh fuck. Well, like I don't have the option to leave. Like I have to finish this exam. So I mean, I don't even. I, I cannot believe I passed that exam. I just scribbled in every fucking. I was like B B B C D A B C D A B C D and ended up passing the exam. But I I came out of that room finally, like still in that state of like anxiety attack, being like. Oh my fucking God, what in the hell was that? 
like no one prepares you for that. No one's like, and I feel like conversations now are so much more, um, you know, transparent. Like I've had so many people message me be like, here's what happened. I think it was an anxiety attack, but I'm not sure. I've heard you talk about it, but it sounds similar. I was out there being like, oh my fucking God, I think I just died. And now I'm back on planet earth, but I think I'm pretty sure I just died. And then what happened? <laughs> and spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, didn't, didn't die. die. Still yeah. here. Um, soul did not leave body or it did. And it came back into body. Right. Um, but that was like the very beginning of a long journey, you know, and fucking still on the journey of anxiety and anxiety attacks. And from there, I um, started a medication. That was the very first time that I um, I tried something other than like shitty foam therapy. Well, so you went to wherewithal, you had the wherewithal to go to a doctor at the school or what? Uh, I think my mom took me to just like our family Gail's doctor. Gail's at it again. Come on home. I'll yeah, take care of you. Yeah, come on home. Come yeah. on home. No, I mean, my, my mom has always been, um, like very much like ride or die with me with my mental health journey. Like she, right. she, her and I are wired very similarly. And so she's always said that like, if similar things had happened, um, in her lifetime, like she could have ended up with the same anxiety as me. Like who knows how it would have happened, but like we're wired very, very similarly. Um, so went to my family doctor, got on medication for the first time, and there was definitely a point in between um, first anxiety attack and starting medication where I skipped probably 50% of my class because I could not exit my dorm room. I literally could not go out anywhere. I couldn't even go down to the cafeteria. Like I was just so riddled with anxiety. I think coming off of that first anxiety attack, I was scared of it happening again. Right. Not knowing when it was going to happen and not knowing what to do if it does happen. Well, I think there's a certain, um, a certain unknown when you don't know what causes something. For sure. That can kind of seep itself and become the, it's like the WebMD of like, well, I guess I didn't think about having this symptom, but maybe I do have that symptom. Right. And it's like and eventually, spiral. And, then, and now I have brain cancer. Right. So it's right. like, I think to a degree, not having something to focus your attention onto as the culprit can make your brain go wild. I mean, I've always said that too, like in my openness about a mental health is that like knowing your triggers is half the battle. Right. And for when the first time it happens, you're like, oh my fucking God, was it this test that triggered me? Was it being six blocks away from home that triggered me? What, you know, there's just so many factors into it and you just have no idea when it's the very beginning of your mental health journey. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely got really bad to the point where like I couldn't go out, I couldn't hang out with anyone, I couldn't leave the dorm room and um, hated my program all in the meantime, like fucking hating the content. I remember the day that I bought this um, textbook of no, it was the handbook of print media. This thing was like $250 and it was like 10 pounds and so thick of literal printing press technology. So here I am like having mental breakdowns. My boyfriend had just gone into a coma. I'm in a new city far from my parents and I'm having anxiety attacks and I just had to buy this $250 textbook of printing presses. I wanted nothing more than to throw that book down. I don't even fucking know. It's as far away as possible as I could. There's nothing quite like the highway robbery that is college textbooks. Genuinely, until I learned that like there are ways and means to buy textbooks secondhand. If, yeah. if there's one thing that you take from this podcast episode, buy your fucking college textbooks secondhand. Every author is like, and fuck you, ma'am. Oh my God. Honestly, handbook of print media, author, fuck, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. It is so heavy, so big. It's a hardcover textbook. And we know you're a big listener to the pod, so this comes as a as a shock to you. But yeah. Uh, but go fuck yourself. I gotta back my girl on this one. Go fuck yourself. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So fast forward to um, end of first semester, I had gone back and forth um, between coming out of the program, taking the rest of the semester off and maybe putting together a portfolio to go to fucking OCAD to like, because I had gone to this program. And you that OCAD? You almost got a second chance there. I almost got a second chance. I almost did get a second chance. And, and I, I can't wait for someone to DM us who's like at the administration side or like literally uh, one of one of my good friends from from Toronto is a high school re- or sorry is a college recruiter for OCAD. <laughs> would, they, would they let you in now you think? No, I don't think so. Yeah, okay, got it. I don't think so. I don't think my portfolio is good enough. No. <laughs> Not good enough. Scarred, just absolutely it's scarred. It's okay. Your donation to the art department would be. That's true. Yeah. That is true. I yeah. could buy my way in. You could buy your way in. Yeah, I could buy my way in. Yeah, yeah. Um so I, I was going back and forth. I was having weekly sobbing Skype sessions to my parents, telling them how much I hated this program, not knowing what to do. And I feel like this is probably something that happens not infrequently with first year uh, freshmen. Like it's also because you do so many of the general classes at the beginnings. So you're not right. really knowing what you're getting into. And then if you hate the general classes, you're like, well, this is obviously only going to get worse. Like that's, that was the mindset that I had very healthy, obviously. But I was going back and forth between potentially dropping out, starting again, doing something else, taking the time to apply myself into some, apply myself to something more creative, like potentially going to OCAD and maybe going trying to go into like advertising or something. And I feel like that's a common question that I always get. Like, what would you have done had you not been doing YouTube? And I probably would have found myself, found a way to move over to the advertising and marketing side of things. Because I have a strong enough creative eye and I'm analytical enough that I think that I could do well there. But anyways, not the path that I went on. Well, the what's interesting to me and what sticks out to me is that 
thinking of it from, from my perspective, right? When I left for college, well, when I initially stayed back at home for community college, mm-hmm. I stayed with the fire within me and the chip on my shoulder to say, I know I'm, I think I'm, I'm better than this current situation that I'm stuck in. Right. I don't have any options. It's my responsibility to fight my way out of it. Right. And that was academically um, or through music or whatever. You to a degree didn't struggle with that same mentality going out. So I feel like having the option to maybe do more things and really not enjoying at all the thing that you chose right. makes you feel like you chose the wrong thing. Oh, for sure. Right. Oh, I got there and I was like, I fucked up. So what's difference between, I guess, to to put into a, a tie a little ribbon on that is you weren't happy with your choice. I wasn't happy that I didn't get a choice. Right. It's, it's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. It's two different, it's two different storylines for right. sure. And I think there's a lot of guilt too that comes with feeling like you made the wrong decision because yeah. I was so lucky in that my parents were paying for my education and tuition in Canada is, is not the same as it is obviously in America and a lot of these like Ivy league schools where it's like, you know, five figures per year. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like that, but still it's like my parents are super hard middle-class working people. And to feel I mean, we like- We both come from like working class mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so to feel like I had made the wrong decision and that I could potentially throw away a year's worth of their tuition money was like a heavy pressure that weighed heavily on me as, as to like figure out how to rectify the situation. So I made a blog as one does. <laughs> When you're feeling depressed and and pressure and guilt as you make a blog. What's it called? It was Desire and Inspire. I have no fucking idea where that came from. I want to be very clear. Desire like there and was, Inspire. There was, there was no direct or like very specific uh, inspiration behind it. I don't yeah. know where it came from. I was like, this sounds pretty nice. Sounds like you like bought it from like a, a discount like strip club. Desire um, and Inspire was in fact available in 2011. It, that would not be available anymore. That would not, It's probably worth a little bit. I wonder if I still own it. Do I? Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. So like in my quest to be happier, I guess, I I was like, okay, I've made great friends in school. Like my social life is thriving. I'm having I'm having a good time with like good people. Hate the content because it's not creative enough. But like right. don't mind the business classes. Like they're fine. They're general and they're business and whatever. Like that's I knew I was signing up for like a business element to right. it. Creative Maybe don't take, like, they put that on the pamphlet that it was like a creative business program. That that was a bamboozling for sure. But to a degree, I think any program that, because Ryerson's, how big is it? Oh, like 50,000? Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't imagine being able to feel like any creative thing that you produced in a sea of that many options mm-hmm. can stand out, right? It's not to say that things aren't competitive, but like the program that I went to in college for percussion. Right. I think there was like... 16 undergrads, like four master students and like two doctorate. And like, Oh my God, everyone could see whether or not they were good. Right. Right, Like you you showed up and you played in front of each other all the time. You read music all the time. It was constantly a battle of like, am I worth this program? Right. 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 Cause it was like to be there, you had to be good. Right. Yeah. And, and not that, and obviously that had its unhealthy effects too, but uh-huh. like, I understand where a program at that size, I think it's very difficult to make anyone feel like their individual contribution oh. is going to just stand out. I had nothing to prove to anyone because there, there was nothing to prove. There was nothing to prove. Yeah, right. There was yeah. nothing to prove. Right. There was literally nothing to prove. I was like, sweet, I can go out and get hammered at night and show up here and get 80% on everything. And that was another big part of it. That was kids content, Laura DIY. Kids content, Laura DIY. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me here making get, craft videos. I'm going to get shit faced <laughs> and still show up and only kind of smell like liquor. 
legit. But that was another big part of it too. I was like, I'm doing fine in this program. Like had I hated it and been doing poorly as well, I'm sure my path would have been different. But I was like, I'm having fun. The people are great. The program fucking sucks, but I'm getting good grades. Right. So I was like, okay, what is the missing piece here? And I was like, it's the creativity. It's like the doing something that is fulfilling me creatively. And again, so enter Desire and Inspire, my very creative named blog. And would you say that you wanted to do it yourself? I have bad news and it's that 9,500 people have made that joke directly at me. And I'm so sorry that it wasn't you for the first time. You guys laugh at that? So I thought, thank you. Get out of here. You're too nice. Okay, right. Moving, Moving on. on. <laughs> and 2011, 2012, like blogging was the hot shit to do. Right. And YouTube was something that I had, I had, you know, heard of at the time. You know, people uploaded like cat videos to it. And I was like, cool. Like YouTube is. Well, well YouTube 2005 and then it was bought by Google in 2008. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not that it was that old. No, yeah. no, not at all. Not at all. And so I started this blog and I was, you know, blogging about like my thrifting in Toronto and like making bracelets. And I was like, oh, here's a cute bead store that I found on Queen Street. Like, go check it out. Here's what I made. Was there somebody that you saw that was doing this and you looked up to them and were like, I can do this too? Or what was the catalyst? No, I don't think so. I think when I started like finding ways to explore new parts of Toronto and I would Google like cool thrift shops in downtown Toronto, I would find blogs that were like giving me information. I was like, oh, I was like, I could do this like this is fun cute and like doesn't harm anyone and so I spend hours sleepless nights learning how to use WordPress learning how to integrate ads into my blog for like the three people and my mom that were clicking on my website right banner to monetize yeah Yeah. good old banner ad good old banner ad and learning how to do like very minimal coding to like start a website and so it was like this fun little side project I would love to see you hop on as an html Little Java. Let's go. Some Python. Yeah. Let's go. Okay, no Java, no Python. Um, but definitely a little HTML. Got I mean, it. it's that that started in the MySpace. I was days. gonna say, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom, at MySpace for your service. <laughs> and so we had this like nice little side project that was like for me and just involved me, and it was like really cute and like a nice distraction from how much I fucking hated my life when I was in school. And you were in control of it. If you and wanted to stop doing it. it, you could stop doing it. If you wanted totally. to make it bigger, if you wanted to make some money, like if you wanted to, the idea of adding ads was a thing you could put your energy into. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, you could post as much as you want or as little as you want. Like right. there was just no pressure and it was a fun creative outlet. So eventually I, at some point saw someone that I was following on a blog do a video tutorial. And I was like, oh, well fucking duh, like this is so much smarter. And you know, I had obviously grown up making masterclass music videos with my friends dancing to Britney Spears growing up. So like as- as My childhood crush. (laughs) I love that for us, baby. And I was like, oh, well, this just makes more sense to show what I'm doing through video versus having to take photos on self-timer with my hands underneath the lens. I was like, this this is stupid. Like, there's an easier way to do this, and it's video. So I made a YouTube channel. Got it. And was <laughs> was that the obvious choice at the time? Like, was Vimeo? Or- oh, no. It was YouTube, for Got sure. It. it was YouTube. Well, because YouTube gave you the ability to embed that video into your blog. Right. And that was that was like the prime, that was the prime reason that I was on YouTube. And so I- I'm, You used it as an embeddable video. Right. Right. And I made um, a choice that I thank 2011 Lauren for every single fucking day. And it's that I didn't make my username something real dumb that I regret now. Like, 
Lore DIY is very clear as to what kind of content I'm going to be making. It was my- Wait, so you, the very first name on YouTube was Lore DIY? Yeah. You started with Lore DIY? I started with Lore DIY. And you have it L-A-U-R capital DIY? DIY, yeah. Wow. I started with Lore DIY. So like Desire and Inspire for the website. Yes. But Lore DIY immediately on YouTube. Yes. I don't think you realize just how probably rare that is. Oh, well, okay. So like all of my friends were like Mac Barbie 07, Mac Baby 11, Steela Babe 09, Mamma Mia Makeup. Like those are my friends now. Those Shout were- out Mamma Mia Makeup. <laughs> and the rest of them, and the rest of them. I don't know who the other ones are. Oh. <laughs> How the fuck am I supposed to know who- I'm dead. Alicia was Mac Baby 11. Okay. Alicia was Mac. Shout, shout out, out Mac Baby Eleven out in Mac the Baby pink 11. in the pink room. Oh my god. Uh-huh. Um. But yeah, that's that. All my friends started out. Um. You know, a few years what earlier than me. Remy was. I think she was always Miss Remy Ashton. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> Tiff and I started around the same time too, and she was Miss Tiffany Ma. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they did themselves a service as well, like similar to me, and like having a name that aged okay. <laughs> yeah. Until like two weeks ago, but yeah. Until, yeah, until like two weeks ago. So I I started this YouTube channel not knowing anything about YouTube. Like I didn't, I didn't watch YouTubers. It was literally, again, just to embed this video right. into my blog for an easier way to show what I was doing. And a few videos in, I realized that like I was cultivating a little bit of an audience and like people were commenting, people that like weren't my parents on the video being like, oh, can <laughs> you it. like show me how to do this? Right. And there was one video in particular that was like a, a t-shirt that had like a skull face cut into the back of it. It was edgy. super edgy, super edgy. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like the very first video that kind of gained a little bit of traction where I was like, oh shit, like there are people on YouTube watching things. I was like, Weird. Huh. People are having an easier time stumbling onto my content that's already on a website that other people are already on than my huh. own one. I kept up with the blog for, I don't know, a couple months after that, but I started like getting into the YouTube community being like, oh my God, my Mac baby 11, um, Mac Barbie 07, like seeing all these other people who were YouTubers and like they used YouTube as their main platform. Right. And here I was spending fucking all these nights learning how to HTML and I'm like, I'm sorry, you're telling me that I can just make something and it goes up here and then I can talk to people in the comments about what I made and you can subscribe to see more content. I was like, well, I'm stupid and have wasted a lot of my life, but okay, cool. So hopped on over to YouTube and stayed there, made that my main platform. And it, I, I can't remember how, how many videos I was um, into like the progress of my channel before I got an email that was like, you, you now qualify for monetization. And I was like, bitch, what do you mean I qualify for monetization? What does that mean? Like, what are you saying to me right now? I don't understand what you're saying. And so that was like the very first moment where I made two cents off of a video. Right. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on? So here I am like in my dorm room shooting shitty videos on literally my my MacBook um, 09's webcam balanced on stupid handbook of print media textbook. Yeah, a more expensive stand than this one right now. Right, it's literally more expensive yeah. tripod was a handbook of print media. I should have kept it for just for the memes. Um, I think I sold it, but anyways, 
like it just like shitty lighting, shitty dorm room, shitty computer, shitty videos. But I was having the fucking time of my life. Right. It was my escape. It was my my creative outlet to make whatever I wanted. I was doing DIYs. I was I did a few like no heat hair tutorials. Ooh. Ooh. Um and it was it was literally the sole reason that I was able to stay sane. And I think when when you're able to find light again in your life, it, it kind of seeps through everything. So when I wasn't feeling like I was in like a um a pit of despair because a few things weren't weren't going in, in the direction that I wanted them to, and I was able to kind of like feel more uplifted because I had so much happiness and positivity coming from this one thing it made school more bearable. And obviously like I had great friends at the time, but like that was great. It boosted my mental health because like I felt like I had purpose and I was feeling more fulfilled. Like once you have that one thing that embodies so much of like your happiness, I feel like it, it brings up everything around it. So uh, the question that I think that I'm, I'm already like curious about that I think other people, especially if they aspire to be in a similar industry as you, what was the feeling of making content for no one like. Oh, it's, 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 um, what I mean by that yeah, is, yeah. Like with zero viewers, right? Like it's, yeah. it's easy to talk about it now cause it worked out, but like in the beginning, especially now when it's more competitive than ever. Mm. Right. And I think there's challenges to both sides. Don't get me wrong. Um, was it like, did people make fun of you? Were you embarrassed? No, no. I mean, I definitely was nervous. And you had different friends than I did, but yeah. Okay, so here's the thing is that I have a lot of friends who started when they were in high school and got absolutely fucking roasted in got high it. school because people would find their videos and be like, oh my God, loser. Right. And now that person is obviously like working a shitty job and they haven't left their hometown and like they the one, peaked in high school and now that YouTuber is like a multimillionaire and gets to say, fuck you, Kyle. The, the loser, right. The loser is the person making fun of them, not the person yes. making the content. Yes. Right. Yeah, yes, exactly. yes, 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 yes. But I think because I started in university and all my friends are really nice, they were like, fuck yeah, go bitch, like do your thing. Oh, and so- Wow. Yeah, I know wow. I had really supportive, like my friends and my family were all like, yeah, fucking go for it. What's what's the harm? What's wow. the harm Let me tell it? you, when I started singing, it was uh, not, yeah, go for it. It was like <laughs> um, words that I'm not going to use right now. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was just like, yeah. that was not the case by any means. No, totally. Um, And I think, and I want to get into this more in a little bit, but like making content for- no one and also other people and also for yourself like if there's one thing that making content teaches you it is about your ego it teaches you mm. so much about your ego and yeah. um just how to how to deal with it how to how to grow with it and so making content for no one feels um odd there's nothing more unnatural than talking to a camera by yourself in a room by yourself for zero people to watch. The second most unnatural thing is hearing someone <laughs> talk to a camera by themselves with no one else listening and going, oh, that's she, she does that. That's just her job. Yeah, that's she, what she does. She just does that. That's what she does. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing more unnatural. And, you know, it's very apparent in my first, like, three years of videos that I'm obviously not comfortable doing that. Right. It, well, you, also, it's like there's, like, a weird fourth wall that is only to you that you have to break. Oh yeah, you're the only one responsible for breaking that wall down. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. There's 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 nothing more uncomfortable and awkward. And I definitely was shy. Like I would like stuff a towel at the bottom of my dorm room door that my stoner boyfriend had taught me how to do to like help with like 
noise cancellation and weed smoke seeping out. Why don't you do that anymore? Now you just scream all over the house. Yeah, yeah, well, you're used to it, so that's fine. Yeah, we've we, we're past that, babe. We're past doing niceties for each other for just like convenience. <laughs> I think the weirdest part about looking back at those videos and like thinking about what was um like the priorities in my life or like the most impactful um, moments was that I was also not only handling like full course load, um, attempting to have a regular upload schedule for this thing that like I, as it was growing, I now felt, you know, a little more loyalty and pressure to upkeep because you're like, oh my God, I made $5 this month. Obviously I need to keep doing this because you know, you get that fat check. But also like you could make 10. You could, make, you could make 10, right, you could for make sure. 100. Yeah. 100%, 100%. And I was like, and I love doing it and it's so much fun. But it's not to say that like, you know, you don't feel pressure and stress sometimes for being like, oh, I want to make more content. Right. But like, I also need to get good grades and stay in this program. But on top of all of that, I was still in this high school relationship and I would say monthly, sometimes, sometimes every week, was doing overnight hospital stays. Um because of epilepsy and you know it was it was a big part of our relationship and um again I was the most constant figure in his life that was there for support and so there would be so many nights where we would spend the night in the hospital you know from 10 p.m and then I'd go to class the next morning at 8 a.m and it was like this weird double life of like having this little bit of growth online and like having so much passion and fire into this while also balancing staying in school because again my parents are still paying my tuition and I had um I had committed to this program now you know you're year two now and you're like okay I'm two years into this like we're, we're doing this like we I mean, are doing this it sounds more like a triple life to be honest you have the life that your parents want you to do because the YouTube concept certainly to anyone sane in 2012 was not going to be a viable form of income, right? Oh, no, no, no. You've got the person that you're trying to be uh, with your boyfriend and trying to be the supportive figure that is the constant among all variables. Mm -hmm. And then you have the general idea or premise of what the online personality could or should be, but you're making it up as you go along. And all three of them kind of have their own rules to play by. And there's a lot of overlap, but there's also a lot of things that are unique to each one. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Like it was, it was, yeah, like three different strains that were happening right. in my life that, you know, you jump to and from. A little and Venn like, diagram. Little, little Venn diagram. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's me in the middle being like, oh my God. And then sprinkle a little bit of um, of anxiety. I think it's on all three though. You're right, you're right. Yeah. yeah, there's lots of anxiety in all three. You're yeah. right, you're right for sure. And at the time, I don't think that I would have been aware enough to be able to like draw those three circles of the Venn diagram. And I was just like, this is this is my life. Like this is my normal dynamic of my life and this is just how it goes. And like I was feeling, I would say, you know, ups and downs, highs and lows. Like I mean, and obviously I'm a, I'm a a bystander who only knows you, you know, years later. But it sounds like on top of these three personalities, right? Hindsight is twenty twenty. It's easy to delineate each one now, but at the time, it's just you. And I think when everything kind of feels like it's all a priority at the same time, mm -hmm. it's hard to almost put them into buckets of like what to prioritize when, especially when you're dealing with someone's health and there's no right answers, but there's a lot of wrong answers. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a really good way to summarize that up for sure. For sure. So a third year of university, you have started to get momentum on YouTube, but by no means is it what it is today. You are still in a relationship. You're still in your program. What changed about YouTube in this time that kind of made you realize like this is something that you're going to take more seriously or it could be something that's more long-term and not just a hobby? A lot of YouTubers have um, a singular video that really skyrocketed them into um, like a new audience and fame and big numbers and growth. 
but I I was like a very consistent, just like a slow uphill growth, which I think, you know, both sides have pros and cons for sure. But I think just like the continuous weekly uploading of DIY content that people were searching for actively. And that was one of the, like the benefits of making DIY content is that people would literally be like, how to make a friendship bracelet. Right. You're, you're very much, although you're competing with a lot of other shit, there are plenty of people of all ages that are very brand safe, interested in doing something with limited resources. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. to a degree, even if you didn't speak English, you'd still be able to follow along. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's right. a, yeah, a worldwide opportunity to, you know, make content for people who are literally searching for what you're making for. Right. And so I don't, again, like there wasn't, there wasn't like a pivotal point where I was like, oh shit, this is, this is real. This is real dog. But I, I definitely do remember like the struggle that I felt and like the, the push and pull of finding the balance between, again, all three of those things. I specifically remember a day where I had woken up at like 6 a.m. so that I could film the video that I wanted to film before going to my 9 a.m. class, doing my day of classes, coming back. My long distance boyfriend at the time was coming up for the weekend. He had a seizure that day. And then like when you come out of a seizure, um, you're like a little woozy, sometimes a little dizzy, just like regaining like imagine. obviously consciousness. And he um, just like walked into the corner of a wall. And so immediate blood streaming down face. We go to the hospital, but it was like one of those days where it, it really hit all three circles of the right. Venn diagram. Right. And I was like, Am I living a crazier life than most people right now? Like this, this feels like a lot. I I think I look back in my youth and that those were the times where any one of those things would have been too much for somebody else. But to a degree, they were all happening at all at the same time. And your brain hits cruise control on all of them. Right, right. And, and you're able to kind of go through the motions. But that's one of those things where when you come out of that stage, you're like, oh my God, I'm tired. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, again, but also let me remind you, like, let me point out that like, just in three years, you went from, I don't know how to deal with any of this to now my brain's so used to these things happening. I can to a degree be on autopilot and still get it done. That's a lot of growth in three years. Yeah, I would say I would say growth and also the help of um, an SSRI, like an anti-anxiety medication that had helped balance things for a long time. I mean, later on, and I've spoken to this recently, like I switched medications, came off of one, switched to a new one, came off of that. But at the time I was I was semi-stable, I would say, with anxiety. Like, obviously, there were bad days, but I think when I very first went on the medication, the first four years were, like, pretty solid in that it was a priority, but it was not at, like, the forefront of my list of things that I was worried about. Right. Third year of university as well, and this would have been my second year of doing YouTube, is when I got a manager. When you say this is your second year of YouTube, what is your cadence? Every week, every month, every, every, every day? Every week. Every, every week. week. Sometimes it. twice a week, once a week. Once a week for sure with my minimum. And I, I'm so structured and work well in routine that, like... I, I just set it for myself as a goal and like I still upload once a week. Like right. it, it just hasn't changed since day one. And so second year of YouTube, I um had a manager reach out and I was like, what do you fucking mean a manager? To manage what? But at the same time, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So like anyone here to help, I'm so happy to have you on board. Right. And to this day, that manager and I are still working together. Like, Scott Fisher. Yeah, Scott Fisher. Sask Shout out SF. It's been- it's, Shout out dad. Shout out dad. It's been literally like seven years of us working together. You hear that though? Like the very first name you picked, you stuck with. The yeah. cadence, you stuck with. The yep. same general concept of the type of content, you stuck with. Same <laughs> manager, you stuck with. That is so ridiculous. I mean, you know I love some consistency. <laughs> yeah, but obviously you have a great radar on what you should and shouldn't do because that's fantastic. Thank you. I, where did that go? 
I was going to say, why is this feeling so nice right now? Thank you so much. That actually made me feel better and more normal because everything felt like a little too nice for right. a moment. It was like yeah. a little fishy. It was uh-huh. a little fishy. So I, I was approached by a manager. And so I had been doing YouTube for two years. And in Toronto, I think like the YouTube scene was just non-existent at the time. So I had never spoken to another YouTuber ever like we hadn't talked about social media I mean, is, or content did youtuber exist is that does that word it did because i was watching all of these girls in california make all of these like youtuber amazing morning routine videos and these hauls and these like how i do my makeup and i was like oh my god i'm stuck what am i doing what am i doing like how do i how do i be you like i just had this idea of like what a youtuber Why was be you it was you know, right. I know, yeah but they were like out in california like doing their thing and i was like oh my god like this is what I'm doing, but they're just like over there. And I was like, okay, cool. But I had just, I, I mean, in that time, like I didn't know how to approach anyone on the internet to be like, hey, be my friend. Hop into a forum. Right. Hey, does anybody want to help me? And yeah, or like, do I like, hey, what's your Neopets account? Like, let's be friends. Let's be pals. Just a security nightmare. <laughs> so got a manager and that was the beginning of like some real ass monetization. So I would say second year YouTube, third year university, making a few extra hundred dollars a month. And it was like fun spending money for, you know, like buying clothes and shoes and-, and A few extra hundred dollars in college would have been is, all you're, the money You that are I had. Yeah. rich, like you yeah. are rich, rich. And like just a little background on like my work history is that I've been working since I was 15. And every summer between uh, university years, I would serve in a restaurant, a sports bar, whatever, and bust ass, make as much money as I could in the summer, and then go back to school. And again, I was very privileged in that my parents paid for my tuition, so I was paying for like just all my spending money. But still, like to work for four months and then to pay for your spending for eight months is it takes a lot of budgeting and a lot of busting ass in the summer. Was there ever, and I assume there was overlap between you doing YouTube in the summer and your job. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. For sure. I mean, I actually would have been that summer that I probably was like, oh my God, I'm doing both now. Right. And um, so enter a manager. And that was when I I got my first brand deal and it was um, $1,250. Oh my God. Actually, it was to promote um, the new Divergent movie. You so, don't say. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, terrible oh my- movie. I'm, I'm fucking offended. I'm so offended. I read all of those books, love the movies, love the lead guy. Did and you watch the movie? Did you watch the movie? Yeah. I don't think you did. I don't think I watched the same movie. Anyway, me being this college student, whatever, like in this whole situation, I was like, you're telling me that Divergent, that E1 Films wants to run a mini commercial on my YouTube channel for over a thousand dollars? Yeah, I would have shit myself. Bitch, I'm rich. Right. I need to retire right now because this yeah. is as good as it gets. I mean, also, I think, and especially in that time when you you come from an hourly wage to a non-hourly wage. Oh my like, God. And you just think about how many hours it would take to make that. And you're like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. That would be over uh, 10 hours no. Wow. Did you hear that? I was really good at math. Bad math. Did you guys all catch that? Over a hundred hours, even yes. more than that of me serving. Right. A hundred felt like 10 a- hours. I was like. <laughs> That's a hundred. <laughs> 10 times 10. Good job, bitch. <laughs> great, yeah. great job. Um, and to give you some visuals of like where my life was at, I was living with like one of my best friends at the time in this like, um, okay apartment in kind of a sketchy area in Toronto. Cause like the rent was affordable. We were both paying like $700 a month. And in college? Uh-huh. 
Damn, that's a lot more than mine. I mean, so I lived in downtown Toronto. Yeah. Like that is cheap, cheap, cheap for downtown Toronto. I think mine was like 3.30. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, it was Kentucky and I lived with five disgusting men. Love you all, <laughs> but you're fucking disgusting. Yeah. That, you know what? I'd rather pay $750 a month, I think. Yeah. 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 So like living in a shitty apartment and like- I remember we came back from the summer and like our apartment was just infested with cockroaches. And so we Got were it. just like ongoing battle with landlords. And so here I am making a thousand dollars and I'm like, Oh my God, like, holy shit. Like I have made it big people. Like I've made it big. And so like we ended up moving out of the apartment literally because of the cockroaches. And, um, I they, had, they didn't pay rent. And they were not paying rent. Yeah. Well, we would have been rich listen, had those cockroaches been pay paying rent. Rent to get the fuck out. Yeah, too. in in Toronto too, it's like it's not like the big scary ones here. It's like the little ones, which mm. is even worse. When you see one little one, there's five hundred more yeah. somewhere else in the apartment. Yeah, so sorry for that visual, everyone listening. And fourth year university, I think between third year and fourth year was like a really really pivotal transition point for like a jump in the growth of my channel. And that's when I was able to start going to VidCon and fly out to LA and like collab with other YouTubers and start like building a network and like talking to people about it. Half of like my learning experience on YouTube was just like being able to sit down and hang out with other YouTubers and being like, oh, like, so that's how you color correct. Oh, that's how you put footage in slow motion. Cause I had taught myself everything just off of the internet. Right. Meanwhile, my degree is like sitting here being like, what about us? And I'm like, fuck you degree, you didn't teach me anything. But no, that's not true. I did, well, well, eh, it was debatable. Ryerson, good enough. <laughs> oh my God, I fuck. I mean, I can't wait for the fucking speech they invite you back to, never. They they always slide into my DMs and are trying to get me to do alumni stuff. And I was like, have, have you read any, any of the news articles that I've ever- Oddly enough, Kentucky does too. And I remind them, I did not graduate. <laughs> you didn't even finish. Did you want to give me an honorary yeah. degree? Oh no. Then don't get into my fucking DMs again. Oh, that'd be nice if they give you an honorary. Can they, would they ever do that? Do you think? I haven't done anything near worthy enough of okay. them giving me an honorary degree. But you know, maybe one day. Like, would they give you a business degree or a percussion degree? A business oh, degree, I'm right? To, um, business, yeah. I think you've done enough in business to deserve a business degree. I, <laughs> yeah, had I gone to the classes and finished it. <laughs> I guess. I guess you're too busy being my acoustic crush, babe. Too busy being and boyfriend. Go on. So yeah, fourth year was when I really started to like learn more, grow faster. Um, I remember, I think I, I, I. When did your parents cut you off? Oh, fourth year. That's really? my parents cut me off was fourth year because I was officially making enough to pay my own rent, pay my tuition, pay my own phone bill. Oh, I would have downplayed that. I've been like, nah, just I'm flexing for the vlogs, mom. I don't really make money. <laughs> no, I mean, I also was like, we we needed to find a new housing situation because of the cockroaches. And right. I was like, okay, like I, I can afford to like make this jump now. And I got a place by myself in um, like a great area in the entertainment district in Toronto. And it was like a really, really cute little like tiny one bedroom. I've seen it, it's cute. Yeah, it's super cute. It was tiny, 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 but it was super, super cute. And like, that's when I was starting to work with like bigger brands as well. I had had this manager for, you know, coming up on a year and I started working with um, like P&G Canada, like Procter & Gamble, which is like insane. And I made a video for Starbucks Canada. I made a video for Target Canada. May she rest in peace. Weird, because I know those brands are sponsoring the podcast. Yeah, well, you know, Canadian budgets are much smaller than American budgets also, so... Keep that in mind. Fine. Well, they're sisters and brothers. Go on. <laughs> but it really started feeling like a viable option. So I, I was still going to school for the most part. Right. Like definitely skipped a lot of class. Don't get me wrong. Um, like how big was your audience at this point? I 
like big enough so that people are like stopping you to get pictures? Oh yeah, I was I was definitely living somewhat of a double life where I would take maybe one photo a day on campus just because like my campus obviously had like started picking up on like what I was doing and you know like the student newspaper might feature me you know in like a super tiny little article and be like oh that's like the YouTube girl or whatever. Right. Um, that's craft nerd. That's craft girl. She yeah. was not fucking at that time. Not fucking publicly or at all. Just kidding. I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. <laughs> okay. Got it. So it was like this weird dynamic of like working with these incredible brands who, I mean, even just like when you're in a room with P&G and this is something that I had built out of my shitty dorm room, like this brand, like I was having kind of an identity crisis, like not in a, in a bad way where my ego was like crazy inflated, but I was just like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like P&G wants me to create content for them. And it was just like a really weird thing to swallow because like, A, I was completely self-taught. Like I did not go to school for cinematography. I did not go to school for photography. Graphic design, learned off of YouTube and Google. Like, and also if you look at any of their work in comparison to what you're shooting, it's like, they're, especially at the time, yeah. it was t television commercials yes. in compared to your yes. MacBook on your $250 textbook. Yes, right. oh my God, yes, exactly. Well, uh, we had graduated from the MacBook on the, the textbook of print media handbook. Got it. We had okay. graduated from there. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I am an imposter. I am absolutely an imposter right now. But if you want to cut me a check, like I'm fucking down. I'm down. And it was definitely in that year that I was like, oh my God, like, am I, is this, is this going to be something that I can do after school? Cause like full transparency, I had no plans whatsoever. Once I, the day that I graduated, I had no plans. Like I didn't know what I was going to do with that degree. I had no goals. I had no, um, no path, like literally no direction to decide like what I was going to do. And, and I mentioned this earlier today, but like I am smart enough that I can regurgitate really well from a textbook and, um, you know, papers to put together something that is going to get an 80%. And like, did I learn a single thing from it? No. So like, if you had thrown me into that industry afterwards, I would be so absolutely underqualified. Like, I feel like my peers that I was in class with were like, oh, like, I'm so excited to work for Rogers. I'm so excited to work for the printing house or whatever. Like they had, they had goals and dreams. And I'm over here being like, la, 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 YouTube videos. Like I just had no plan because I, I didn't know anyone that was a YouTuber as a full-time job. And I was making enough for it to be a full-time job, but I was also still doing this degree that my parents are paying for every single year. So it's like, eh, it was like a weird, it was like a weird place to be in a weird mindset. So then what happened? I think, I think that this was the only point in my life where I didn't have a plan. I was going to say, as someone who always has a plan. I had no plan. I had it. no plan. So I graduate um, with honors, mind you, for paying zero attention, knowing nothing, not giving a fuck, and talking shit the entire time. I do not deserve an honors degree from this program sure whatsoever. Do. Ryerson, good enough. Oh my God, I feel so bad. You know what, though? I, I had a great time at Ryerson, though. So, like, I don't want to talk right. too much shit. Like Ryerson. Good, good enough. enough. Good enough. You're right. It is good enough. It was, it was, it was good enough. It was good enough. Yeah. And, and I don't regret a single thing that I did by staying in that program because like it has led me to where I am now. So I would never take anything back, but good enough. Good enough. So graduated. And at this point I was definitely making enough to go full time. And I was like, oh my God, I have, 
you know, 12 hours of a day to make content. This is fucking insane. And like, I can afford to go to LA for a week and shoot with my friends and come back and edit it and then maybe do it again next month. At this point, I was kind of um, living by coastal. I don't wanna say by coastal because it wasn't, it wasn't quite by coastal. I was going back and forth a lot. And this is- You were living more on two coasts than anybody else you knew. Living more on two coasts than anyone I knew. That's a right. great way to put it. It's a yeah. great way to put it. And I, I definitely had experienced like winter seasonal depression, but oh my God, I, so living by myself now making content from nine to five or whatever it might be on a full-time basis, right? which is what I wanted. It was like my fucking dream. That's all I'd wanted for so many years of doing this and like doing both and like living this double life and like having both um, workloads on my plate. Like this is all I had wanted and dreamed of for so long winter hits and like I feel like anyone who lives in a colder climate can speak to like how real seasonal depression is I would go multiple days days on end with literal no human contact all my friends were working nine to fives in like print houses and media houses and like working the jobs that we had gone to school for so like fucking spoiler alert like yeah they were doing what they went to school right. for you're, you're the odd man out not I'm them. the odd man out yeah 100 percent and like I still had a social life on the weekends but I would go the whole week without seeing anyone. Right. I worked from home. I worked by myself. I didn't leave. And everyone was busy working regular jobs. And I have never felt so isolated in that small little dark apartment. It was super nice, you know, great. Like worked hard for it to be able to afford it. But it was, it was such a 180. And I think I had such high expectations for what my life would be like once I was finally free. Like I held so much resentment against my program at the end because I was like, ugh, like why am I staying in this? I can finally afford to like have freedom and make more content and just right. pour everything you into this. You looked at it as only a, a detractor. It was only something that was in the way. It wasn't something that was going to unlock anything for you. You were, you looked at it as something like you knew what you already, you looked at the degree and it didn't get you any closer to anything you couldn't do by yourself. Right, right. right. The degree wasn't going to move me forward in the career that I had started to build for myself. Right. It really did nothing. It, it just unlocked more time for me to invest in this other thing that I was doing. And uh, one of the biggest things I probably should have mentioned like five minutes ago is that high school boyfriend and I had broken up um, right before I graduated university. And we ended on really good terms. Um, we ended up just feeling like we were like best friends. I feel like our friend Sarah and Kane talk about this all the time is that like they loved each other and were like the best friends but just didn't feel like they were like in a relationship love type of situation anymore right and there was a similar dynamic that we had um so broke up on good terms and um you know dove headfirst into doing my career full-time um and in going back and forth to LA started you know making a new social circle out in LA as well so I think like fast forward six to eight months later found myself in a new relationship and not dissimilar to you with your ex and being in Kentucky and having a girlfriend out in LA, I found myself in a similar situation. So boyfriend in LA, I was in Toronto and I started, I don't know when the seed got planted of the potential or the ability to move to LA, but I started working on my visa to be able to live in the States for three years. And that's a whole fucking process in itself. But I decided that I wanted to move to LA for two months in the winter 
A, to escape the seasonal depression. Right. And B, to be able to make content outside because, like, that's what all of, like, these California lifestyle girls were doing. They could fucking go to the beach every day and, like, make fun videos. And here I am in, like, negative 40 weather being, like... Here is my holiday DIY. There is no better marketing campaign than Los Angeles in the winter when you're coming from a fucking frozen tundra. Absolutely. When you step off the plane, it doesn't matter how cold of a day it is in LA, it's not negative five. It's not negative five. It's not negative five. It's not negative 40. No. And so moved to LA um, and for sure, like having a relationship here was a, you know, a big push. And it was also a cushion, you know, it's like you fall into an automatic social circle of people and you have like a safety net. Moved here for two months, obviously loved it. I just like rented an Airbnb so that I had my own space so I could still film, brought all my equipment with me. Um, was here for two months and it was great. I toured apartments and found a spot, moved back to Toronto for like literally a month and a half packed up all my shit, was able to get out of my lease for my apartment. And like, I was sold. Like the minute that I left LA, I was like, I cannot wait to be back. Well, I feel like also, and I remember this very clearly, you leave LA surrounded by people that are at least more like-minded than anything you knew at home. And you get back home and it's those things, it's the little things that start to just irk you. Cause the little comments about this or, or people will say how amazing you're doing or this or that. And it's just like, all you can think about is how much being here keeps you from being able to be like the things you saw in LA. That was absolutely how I felt. Yeah. I felt very like big, no wait, yeah, big fish, small pond. I felt very big fish, small pond. Um, Again, like the YouTube, just like in media space in Toronto in 2015 was absolutely not what it is now. Like I see like the events and stuff that they, well, pre-COVID used to have, but like it seems like it, it's absolutely flourishing now and it, it's much easier and there's more community to be a creator. But back then I, I had like maybe two creator friends and all of my friends were in LA. So I felt right. like I was missing out and I felt like I wasn't making content up to the potential that I could be if I was able to relocate. Right. And also I think like when the school thing disappears, it's like, okay, now what's standing in my way? Right. Now it's standing in my way. Now, and you can continue to like remove those and then eventually you just go, oh, I'm the only thing that's standing in my way. But until I feel like you've done it long enough, you constantly have to look for like what you can improve upon. For sure. And so I- packed up my car and I was able to ship my car to LA with all my shit in it and then just fly here with a few suitcases in my car ca like caught up with me a few days later or a few weeks later I think and um bless my parents like they came out here with me got me settled of course they did I know I know my parents literally being the best all like the whole way along the whole way you know, my mom is like you where are you flying you're gonna go there you're gonna move there okay well have fun on spirit <laughs> on spirit yeah you know my parents were so supportive every step of the way like I'm so lucky and like they were my number one cheerleaders number one fans my mom to this day has watched every single day of vlogmas and every single podcast and every DIY same here so let's keep going <laughs> <laughs> and moving to LA it was the weirdest time of my life like I was in the peak of the making overly saturated, like make your life look perfect uh, lifestyle videos with all of my friends. Like that was just like the thing to do and like the biggest trend. And honestly, I can attribute so much of my growth on the platform to that era of YouTube. And I had a new relationship. I had um, literal physical freedom to do whatever I wanted. I recently had just gotten my visa. So like stress-free there was in the States now as a Canadian. And I had financial freedom, which was something that typically does not go hand in hand with having like physical freedom and financial freedom. You you skipped some serious um, struggle phases that I think the rest of the world comes through in the sense of like you finally get out of your parents' house and college and all sorts of things. And it's like, 
and you're fucking broke. So there's 60 hours a week of doing the job you have to be able to exist and hopefully you can get out of that. Right, you you like, skip that stage. I didn't have to, I, I got to skip the entry level position right. of like grinding for no money. Right. And I mean, not to say that I wasn't working literal oh, totally. 60 hours a week when I was serving. So like, I, I think that that also like gives you so much perspective later on when you are able to work hard and earn money and make money is like having those, those jobs that are so physically and emotionally demanding. Like I will always say that serving is the hardest job that I have ever had. I kind of found myself in a bubble. Like I was in this relationship where he was in a similar position as well, like physical freedom to do whatever he wanted and financial freedom to do whatever he wanted to spend, go do whatever, because we had like this unrealistic amount of YouTube money. And it was so much fun. Like, don't get me wrong. Like we had so much fun, like our entire friend group. It was a great group of people who, again, in all similar positions, but it, it put me in um, a bubble where I did not grow as an individual for a couple years. In the time of being in this like weird, happy, perfect bubble where everything is just like fun and free was also the period content wise where we were doing those like lifestyle videos where you're making everything look so perfect and Tumblr and Pinteresty and just like, this unrealistic standard as to what um, someone in their late teens or early 20s life actually looks like. Right. And I mean, I think every lifestyle creator has spoken to like how weird of a time in our lives that was for us as well. And I was also, you know, part of this relationship that was public with another creator who was making daily videos. And I want to give myself credit for past me for always... Um, keeping my Lord DIY brand a little bit separate. Like I didn't, I never stopped like making crafting and creative videos. I was definitely a part of this like other side brand of this. And it's, it's so horrible to call the relationship a brand, but like when you're creating content every day and it's uh you know, two personalities coming together that frequently to create content that that's realistically what it becomes. Right. And I think daily vlogging a relationship, um, you know, a few things happen subconsciously that you don't plan for because the things that you do plan for are to, you know, you don't want to, you're not going to show your fights. You're not no. going to show the bad times. You're not going to show when shit's not good. And so in turn, that creates this picture perfect curated 15 minutes of your life every single day. And he had a younger uh, audience and like I was still family friendly at the time. So, you know, our audiences, you know, merged and uh, became very, very passionate about this brand that we had created as a relationship. And they held our relationship up on a pedestal. And I don't I don't blame them like that is the picture that we accidentally created. Well, it's not accidentally. You're, you're purposefully doing it. You're purpose. Yeah, you're right. You're purposefully doing it, but um, not with the intention, I guess, to mislead. It was with the intention to not show the negative side of relationships. Right, but that, that's so natural. I mean, just think about this month, right? With you daily vlogging just this month, mm -hmm. right? I, even so, like I I find myself not responding in a way to things when I know that there might be a camera on to you in a way that could per be perceived if someone can't catch my sarcasm or my For this sure. or that. I'm even editing or making sure that I'm trying to put on a, because if you just respond to something and there's no context, like, oh, he was mean or right, oh, he, he's right. happy or why is she right. being like this? And I think it's one of those things where, there's a good reason why brands can't target kids to advertise because they cannot delineate the, oh, this is something that's supposed to convince me to buy something as opposed to this is something that it's just being entertaining, right? right? Like, there's a there's a real reason for that. And if you, if you give someone, 
if you put time and effort into creating as perfect of a digestible picture of who you are mm-hmm. for every single day and people put it in their routine, how would they not think that that's who you personally yeah, are? Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It's like we we weren't trying to mislead anyone. We were just trying to counteractively uh, ensure that people weren't taking things out of context or thinking that we were mean or, you know, doing something that optically could be misleading. Like, course. yeah, it, that wasn't the intention at all, but that's where it ended up. Right. And so when the relationship didn't work out, it was devastating for a lot of these younger fans who also, you know, don't have enough life experience to know that just two people who aren't on the same page just naturally are going to go their separate ways. And that's just the reality of life is that not every couple is going to stay together. And because I was in a public relationship, you, um, and this is, this is like so fucked, but you have to make a literal public statement that you were no longer together because how else, how else would you relay that information? You know what I mean? Like we couldn't just like, I couldn't go from making content every single day with someone to just like, omitting that person and being silent about it, especially because your viewers feel like uh, the authenticity of the relationship is so real to not have, I guess, a conversation about that. Like, I guess I just felt like the best course of action was for us to sit down together and make a joint statement, right? It, that was like, that felt like the the path of least resistance for either of us having negativity sent our way. And I think about how many like literal death threats I got after we broke up. And that was after we had made a joint statement saying that like, we are no longer together, but please like focus on being positive. So like, I can't even imagine what would have happened had it not gone down like that. Like, I, I don't know what the answer is. Like, it, that's just not something that you learn or are taught at any point in your life is how to, you know, be in a public relationship and then how to end a public relationship. Like that is not in a fucking textbook. I wish Ryerson had taught me that. Good enough. Good enough. Okay. So I've heard this story a thousand times and Mm -hmm. I think some people have heard it a half dozen times in different portions and different segments. So I'm going to ask the questions that I think are are actually of interest to people who are maybe just learning about it for the first time or people that are, are more in tune with what went down, at least from a public optics perspective. What do you regret? Um, wow, that's a great question. That is a great question. I mean, I don't think that there, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are like things that I regret, but I would say the major focal points of um, my career, I guess, that people might think of, like moving to LA, um, being part of that like overly saturated lifestyle content creation, having a public relationship. Like, I don't think that I would say that I fully regret any of it. Like, I think that I learned something very integral as to who I am now and how to create content moving forward and how to, you know, react and how to evolve and how to handle my ego and also how to publicly handle um, some really intense shit in my uh, in my social media. Okay, fine. I feel like that was a kind of a cop out, but I'll take it. Um, I mean, wh- no, no, like there are definitely things like I think like, like post breakup publicly, I definitely send out a few passive aggressive tweets or something. You know what I mean? Like there's like the Fair. petty shit like that, that I definitely was like, that was an immature weak moment where I was human and wasn't able to filter out the fact that like, I am sending this out to millions of people who will have an emotional reaction to this tweet. So- Looking back, what mistakes did you make along the way that inevitably became the biggest learning points right. from um, learning what you didn't want to do again? I um, I got caught up in an exchange of happiness 
for money and views. What do you mean? I, the content that I was making, I, I don't know if there was like a pivotal point or like a specific video where I felt like I was sedentary and I had not grown at all. I almost feel like I just woke up one morning and I was like, oh my fucking God, I'm so unhappy. Like I'm genuinely so unhappy with the type of content that I'm making. And I think it was hard for me to realize that because they're like, you were literally rewarded with money and views when a video does well. And if you're not enjoying the process, you know, people are still congratulating you on your quote unquote success. And so, you know, you waver and go back and forth. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, so quote unquote successful right now. Like, why am I not happy? Like this, this obviously is, is working and I should continue to do it. But there was just a point in time and I've spoken to this openly before, but just like, it's very much around making content for an audience that I no longer relate to at all, you know, for someone who might be 10 or 12. And here I am in my, you know, young mid twenties. And I'm like, I'm not fucking going back to school. I don't want to make, I don't want to decorate a binder anymore. And it was, it was sacrificing my happiness for this quote unquote success. And I decided that I just didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to title my videos with misleading shit. I didn't want to clickbait anymore. I didn't want to curate any kind of perfect relationship. And again, that was never, that was never a conscious decision that we were making to mislead people. But I mean, that was the picture that we had created, um, you know, based on what we had just talked about, but I no longer wanted to hide anything that was messy. I didn't want to hide um, any conversation around mental health. I didn't want to hide breakdowns. And I wanted to just be myself. And that obviously meant taking a massive uh, cut, not a cut, but like it would be such a drastic transition that it would be shocking for a lot of the viewers, especially over on my main channel where that's been around for nine years. So someone who subscribed eight years ago, you know, has a different idea of who I am than someone who subscribed yesterday. Right. And people don't, you know, always enjoy change. And for something to be this drastic for them, it's it's not always going to be a positive experience. And I think it was just having to swallow that pride of being like, I have to be okay with um, being in the red every single day on all my social media platforms. I have to be okay with making less money. I have to be okay with um, optics and like people seeing that my video views are going from 1 million views a video to maybe 150,000. I have to be okay with that. And I have to be okay to swallow my ego and just know that like when I wake up every day that I am a happier person, I'm making organic, authentic content that I'm excited about making. And I'm excited to have new conversations with viewers who are potentially going through similar things or in a similar period of their life. And so call it a trade-off. Um, but it was literally just regaining control of my own happiness and what defines my happiness. You know, I think there was a point where there was money and views, and that was what was driving my idea of what success looked like. And there was that day that I woke up and I was like, this, this isn't making me happy. This doesn't feel like success to me. And I need to reprioritize my values and to figure out what actually does make me happy. To a degree, when you don't have money in views, it's nice to get money in views. But For sure. once you've accumulated enough money and enough views, then you're just doing more shit to get more of what you already have. I think a tough pill for anyone in the, in the entertainment industry to swallow is that we all have an expiration date. Everybody. There's, sure. there, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. It could be 
two days before you die. But like we all have an expiration date of when people are no longer interested in giving their most valuable asset, which is time to you. For right? sure. And you look at the legends that came, and I mean legends that came before us are still living. Like Madonna has reinvented herself how many times? Oh my God. Yeah, literally. But when she did it the first five, six, seven, ten 10 times, there wasn't someone that was able to put a message in a forum that she was able to see on her cell phone in 1982, right. right? The the label and the agency and everyone, you know, redid everything and she had a massive movie that, or a big performance that came out and people could just talk about it later. And the press obviously could uh, help or, or bring her down, right? It, it's a different era. But I think what's interesting is that you came about this decision with, uh, although you have a team, with a, a, a limited number team and are seemingly, at least I can see that you are happier from it. My My next question is really, how do you think you're going to keep from falling into that cycle again? I mean, I think it's like when you go so far down into it once, I don't think that I'll end up there again ever. Like, I think that- Ooh, That's dangerous. You don't, what? You don't think? And maybe I'm just, um, I'm not an optimist in that capacity. I right. think that all of the mistakes that I've made are very easy to make again. And I don't see myself as someone who's no longer apt to making the, those exact same mistakes. So I think, I think for me in viewing like content creation, I treat every video now as a new test, as a new piece of content, because it's not episodic. It's not in a series. I can try something new every single week. Right. And so if last week's video didn't make me happy, you know, okay, what, what are we going to do this week? Like what's next? Like what's next? And that makes you happy. Uh, but I think, I think I'm, I, I don't really know right now. And that's, that's like this conversation Ooh. that we've been having forever. Well, like literally a few weeks ago, I had like a mental breakdown being like, I don't want to be Lord DIY anymore. Which I said, why? Yeah. Well, no, it's because I, I was frustrated with the perception that this old audience had of me and I felt trapped in it. I felt cornered by it and I felt like I couldn't evolve, but I literally get to write my own story. And so like, I don't know why that small older, like old past audience was holding me back. And I've created so much and such an incredible brand under the name Lord DIY, like literally fucking craftopia, like having an yeah, HBO Max show, like fucking craftopia. Like that's such an incredible opportunity that I would have never had had I not created this like Lord DIY brand and I'm proud of it and I should own that shit and I get to write my own story and do whatever I want to do next and you know what makes me happy last week okay well next week let's let's do something that does make me happy and I think that I was so controlled by figuring out what works and sticking to that and staying in that lane where I was just feel like the way that content is consumed now, things are changing so fast. I think TikTok is a big part of that. But I think that more now than ever, I have um, the landscape to be able to do that. So, and, and not to get too like just big picture, but like, I guess my question is what, what challenges, what struggles are you currently dealing with that you feel like are your, your Ryerson that feel like your, the con not the content that you want to make. What what are the things that are holding you back that you're currently working on? I mean, I think it's transitioning um, a massive audience, you know, that again, would have subscribed nine years ago, five years ago, three years ago. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what their perception of me is. So it's every video I'm trying to put my best foot forward in terms of being like my most organic self. And right. if people enjoy it and they stay great, if they don't, I, I would, actually prefer them to unsubscribe, you know, I'm cause so I don't want to, what? Yes, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> no, but it just, like I would, if, if I could automatically 
unsubscribe people who are not interested in the content I'm making now. I would rather lose 5 million subscribers than have people see my content and be like literally upset about it. Right. Because my goal is not to ruin someone's day. Right. So I think right now the hurdle is, I think, A, ego, just like learning every day um, and how to be comfortable in being um, in a negative trajectory in some ways. But in other ways, like, I'm I'm happy to see people unsubscribe because that means that they're seeing my new content and they're making a decision to be like, this isn't for me. And I'm like, okay, great. Right. Like, have a great life. Like, I'm finding my new audience and, it, you know, there's an exchange for that. It's new people that are coming cost. in. What? Opportunity cost. Okay, salesman. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I mean, you have to out with the old and with the new. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how I feel. And whether that results in, you know, a loss of 3 million subscribers, like I have to learn how to deal with that optically and ego wise. And um, just know that like I wake up every day being like, I love my job. I love the shit that I'm making. And I'm so grateful to have this opportunity in this platform. Well, I love you and I'm very proud of you. Thanks, boob. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Fucking Brad. Oh God, this is a, this is this might be our longest epi yet. I'm looking at the timestamp. Yeah, definitely the longest it's definitely. Epi. I know it's definitely our longest epi yet. I told you I'm real bad at real bad at uh, summarizing things. No, but it's just like I I know where you struggle, and I think it's very 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 similar to a lot of people who are the same age in a very different industry, mm-hmm. or who are older or younger. And to me, it's like talk about you who you actually are because realistically if people are interested in who you are and whether they've been interested in you or not in the past right you'll always be able to have an authentic connection with people who are checking in today right and you can't have any control over what happened a year ago and mm-hmm. you can't have any control over what's going to happen you know in a year from now outside of you know the steps to get there you do have control over today so it's just like the people that really fuck with you or this podcast or all the things that you do the puppo like they're not going to be upset if you continue to tell them and be honest with them about what you're going to do tomorrow if you just keep reinventing yourself constantly yeah. and not trying to put yourself into a box and that's what i think you're just doing a really good job with and to me it's like 2021 is going to be even bigger and more you in whatever that looks like for sure. I, I agree. And I think 2021, I'll probably lose the most subscribers, you know, that I've lost since starting my YouTube career. But I think that content wise and like happiness wise and like seeing value in what I'm creating is going to be the best year. Or maybe I'll just find a, a whole new fucking huge ass audience and it'll be the best year for my subscribers too. Who knows? Listen, <laughs> but I, I mentally- One year closer to me being a pool boy. It'd be fantastic. I love that for you, Shaboo. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's, I'm mentally prepared for being in the red every single day at the cost of my happiness. You know what I mean? Backwards, you, yeah. backwards, backwards. Yeah. The, backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I meant? You know, Ryerson. Ryerson. Good enough. Good enough. <laughs> I feel so bad. That's been the tagline of this fucking, this podcast. I feel so bad. Um, okay. Well, I, I don't know. I, if you have any questions, cause I missed massive chunks of my life, which I'm sure that I fucking did. Please, please let us know in the comments. I'll do my best or, or text us on the, uh, the Wild Till Nine hotline. Grab some merch. Our puppo is outside the podcast room door right now. Just yeah. like sitting there sulking. Cause we're 20 minutes past his dinner time. So we do have to go. Well, you know what? Keep us honest. And in February, March, April, May, June, we might have to do one of these again. Cause like, you know, when I said I didn't know what I fucked up the most, this is what I fucked up the most. This is it right here. This episode or from feeding moose late? No, 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 no. Just we are, maybe our new mistakes. Oh yeah. 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 yeah I'm yeah, excited. Sure. Fuck it. I've never been in a more consistent and happy and just like, um, uh, set with who I am. Right. And to me, it's, it's very much what we do together. And pandemic obviously has got so much 
shit along with it. And there's so many bad things that are going on in the world, but mm-hmm. it kind of illuminates the things that are good For even sure. more. Yeah. Th- that was your, that was your recap of that? I, sure, yeah. I I saw your your bandit on your finger and I I was thinking about your your little cut and then I got distracted and then now we're here, um which I think means that I'm in a little bit of have a great new <laughs> year y'all pop a can of whatever a you have bottle a, pop a bottle of whatever pop a bottle unless you're an AA and then water it is a little diet coke water it is baby um uh, we are very very excited to bring you the same type of shit next year oh yeah shit oh fuck. Oh, we can do that cheesy thing where we can say, see you next year, bitches. Bye, guys. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.